Hello and welcome to the Pacific Smiles Group Half-Year Result Presentation Conference Call. I would like to advise all participants that this call is being recorded. I'd now like to welcome Phil McKenzie, Chief Executive um, Officer and Managing Director, to begin the conference. Phil, over to you. Thank you and good morning. I'm Phil McKenzie, the Chief Executive Officer of Pacific Smiles, and I'm joined today by Matthew Cordingly, our Chief Financial Officer. Together, we'll be taking you through the presentation that we posted to the ASX earlier this morning, outlining the company's results for the first half of the financial year 2023. This period has seen a welcome return of many of our patients to Pacific Smiles Dental Centres, who had, because of the pandemic, not been able to or elected not to see their dentists for a number of years. This increase in patient attendance has translated to an improved operating and financial performance for the first half of the 2023 financial year, which we'll take you through in detail as we step through the results. It's important to point out, though, that the performance in the first half steadily improved through the first and second quarters. However, at a more modest rate than we'd expected, there was a slower reduction in cancellations rates and while patient disposition to attend a clinical setting certainly improved, it was not at the rate we'd foreseen. As we've previously stated, Pacific Smiles kept our field workforce intact as much as we could during the pandemic, with a view to the future in mind. Improvement in operating leverage or labour efficiency therefore lagged a little, considering the slower than planned for attendance increases. However, we're now starting to see that improve, and I'll come back to the outlook for the business later in the presentation. I'll now briefly touch on the events of late last year and the Section 249D notice brought about, brought about by the company's founder and the ensuing Extraordinary General Meeting. Whilst this was an unwelcome distraction for the company and our people, coinciding with the busiest months in our financial year, we did appreciate the opportunity to engage with all our investors and many of our stakeholders. We've heard your feedback and are determined to continue to grow this special business providing not only strong returns for shareholders and a positive and fulfilling environment for our practitioners and employees. Following the results of the Extraordinary General Meeting, non-executive director Andrew Knott was removed from the board. We appreciate the contribution Andrew made to Pacific Smiles during his tenure. The company has now commenced a search for a new director and we will update the market as the search progresses. Moving to the presentation now, I'll provide a general business overview with highlights of the results. Matt will discuss the results in more detail, and I'll finish with an update on the outlook of the business and key focus areas and opportunities for business in the second half and beyond. As usual, we'll be happy to take questions at the end of the presentation. Turning to slide three. Those of you who've been following the Pacific Smile story closely would well know our stated true purpose to improve the oral health of all Australians to world's best. There are three value pillars that underpin this purpose. Firstly, we respect the dentists that choose to partner with us to manage and grow their practice. It is important that they know we'll support them in every way in delivering professional dental care. Secondly, our patients. We appreciate and value their trust in us as their local dental experts. Their dental health is our priority. Thirdly, our team members. They matter. Without them, we can't deliver services to our dentists and through them care to our patients. Their work is important that makes a difference. These core values in our culture continue to guide everything we do. Culture underpins every single successful enterprise. For Pacific Smiles, it means ensuring our people share our purpose 
enjoy what they do and operate together as a seamless unit. Pacific Smiles measures its dentist employee engagement twice a year via a market-leading engagement platform. The most recent survey has just been completed and while we're still in the process of evaluating the results, both dentist and employee engagement remains consistent with our previous results. Our positive culture translates to strong dentist, patient and employee experiences and ultimately accretive shareholder returns. Turning to slide four, I'll start with the key points in the first half result. Patient fees across the Pacific Smiles Dental Centre Network of 133.3 million were up 22.5% on the prior half year. This was predominantly driven by same centre growth of 17.3% as well as a return towards a more normalised ramp in attendance and fees in our newer centres. Underlying EBITDA of 9.1 million was up 84.4% half on half and we recorded an underlying net profit after tax of a half a million dollars. We've provided a reconciliation of our statutory to underlying earnings towards the end of the presentation materials and would make note the underlying result excludes just over $500,000 of expenditure related to the December Extraordinary General Meeting and responding to the Section 249D notice advanced by Dr Alex Abrams. We expanded our network by two centres during the first half, finishing with 129 dental centres, excluding the HBF owned centres. These two new dental centres at Endeavour Hills in Victoria and Chermside in Queensland are in high quality locations and well positioned within our broader network. The pace of further network expansion, as we guided the market previously, is being sensibly managed in FY23 as we focus on adding capacity in existing centres and focus on their performance as operating conditions continue to stabilise post-pandemic. I'll go into that in more detail later, but make the point that patient fee growth will reflect the moderation of our new centre growth program. A fully frank interim dividend of 0.35 cents per share was declared, consistent with our previously stated commitment to restore dividends in line with the board's dividend policy. Our business is now very well positioned to benefit from the increased demand for dental services as Australia continues to emerge from the pandemic. Turning to slide five, total patient fees increased by 22.5 to 133 million, reflecting a return to a more stable operating growth environment. Pleasingly, it's evident that the worst of the pandemic is now behind us. Patient attendance partners and practitioner rosters are returning to normal. However, we've not experienced the same level of surge volumes that the business experienced in 2021 <clears throat> after the first COVID outbreak. Cancellation rates did not fall as much as we'd expected in the first half, impacting appointments, fees and labour efficiency. While cancellations have certainly tapered, they're not yet back at pre-pandemic levels. In general though, we're experiencing month-on-month -month improvement across nearly all of our financial and operating KPIs. Performance in some of our larger CBD location, located centres has not returned to pre-pandemic pre levels yet, given the related shift in working patterns or the greater proportion of the population now working from home. This spare capacity in these centres provides an opportunity to attract new patients to Pacific Smiles and is a key focus of the business going forward, as well as recapturing existing patients as they return to the CBD over time. Other top line indicators of performance are showing signs of improvement, including fees per appointment, which is due to a higher mix of restorative work being performed by a dentist. 
This reflects the growing maturity and experience of a dentist as well as the needs of their patients who have not undertaken as much preventative care over the last few years. Underlying EBITDA is up 84.4% to 9.1 million, driven by increased patient fees following a return to more stable trading. Impacting profitability in the first half, though, has been a higher staff to practitioner ratio than pre-pandemic levels. As mentioned earlier, this is due to a slower reduction in cancellation rates and a slower return to normalised practitioner schedules than expected, making efficient rostering of staff challenging. With the benefit of this experience though, we're adapting our operating and rostering practices which combined with the expected growth in appointments in the second half and continued maturation of our new centres will contribute to improved operating leverage. Turning now to slide six to recap on the operational highlights for the half year. As I said, we opened two new Pacific Smiles dental centres during the first half, Endeavour Hills in Victoria and Chermside in Queensland. New openings continue to be strongly supported by our pre-booking campaign and board bookings were strong for each of the new centres. As well as two new Pacific Smiles Dental Centres, we added one new HBF Dental Centre to the network, taking the total of these to seven at the half year end under our managed services agreement with HBF, who are an important corporate partner and a shareholder in Pacific Smiles. I'm also thrilled to say that the Pacific Smiles opened its 130th dental centres two days ago at Ruchidor in Queensland with well over 500 pre-booked appointments. As well as opening new dental centres, adding to the volume of dental chairs in operation across our established network gives us the capacity to service growth and demand at lower incremental cost. For the half, we've added nine new dental chairs, including three in existing dental centres. By the end of the half, we had more than 925 dentists practicing with us with a retention rate above 85%. The patient experience at PSG Dental Centres is a critical measure of our ability to retain our patients and support dentists. We achieved a net promoter score of approximately 90 for the first half, a very pleasing result for the group. Our total network size comprised of 651 surgeries and 539 installed dental chairs. Our employee retention rate is just over 75% for the half, which has been holding steady since the full year. At Pacific Smiles, we offer employees long-term vacation, advancement opportunities, and a career pathway that engenders a loyalty to PSG. Our employees matter to us. I'll now hand over to Matthew to take you through the financial results in more detail. Thanks, Phil, and good morning, everyone. Turning to slide eight in the summary income statement, I just remind everyone that these results are expressed on an underlying basis and exclude the impact of AASB 16 leases. Also, the underlying 2023 half year result excludes the impacts of once off severance payments, the executive LTI plan, finalization of costs associated with the closure of our flood impacted Lismore Centre, net of insurance recoveries, and legal and consulting costs incurred in respect of the December 2022 Extraordinary General Meeting in responding to the Section 249D notice advanced by Dr Alex Abrahams. We've also included in the appendix reconciliations of the underlying and statutory results. Group revenue for the first half was up 21.9% to 81.6 million, reflecting an increase in patient attendances and a more stable trading and operating environment post-pandemic. In terms of earnings, EBITDA has also improved, up 84.4% to 9.1 million in line with increased revenue. As Phil outlined earlier, the realisation of labour efficiencies in centres has been slower than expected due to the more modest growth in attended appointments, higher cancellation rates, albeit much lower than during the peaks we saw in the pandemic, and changed 
practitioner operating patterns. Pacific Smiles made an underlying net profit after tax of 0.5 million for the first half. Given the return to underlying profitability, we resumed the payment of dividends, as we previously said we would do. A fully franked interim dividend of 0.35 cents per share has been declared. Turning to slide nine in the EBITDA bridge, which depicts movements year on year on both a dollar and margin basis. These charts show the drivers of the movement in both underlying EBITDA and the margin between the first and second half, first half of FY23 and the first half of FY22. Same centre performance being heavily impacted during the pandemic reflects the majority of our performance improvement. Our total FY22 new centres EBITDA declined by 0.3 million, half on half. This was driven though by the timing of the opening of several new centres in this cohort late in the half two of FY22. We're very pleased with the performance of these centres and they are ramping for our expectations. Corporate costs were down 1.2% as a proportion of patient fees. This was achieved notwithstanding expenditure on one-off items such as the Grow 22 employee conference held for the first time in three years, which is a hugely important event bringing together all of our national field leadership. Furthermore, there's been a reduction in capitalised labour compared to prior years, and that's associated with a slower rollout of new centres year on year, and that's reflected in corporate overhead in the P&L. On a gross basis, Pacific Smile support office and corporate overhead has been streamlined, and while higher than in half on 22, it's expected to be lower for the full year 2023 relative to the prior year. Turning now to our cash flow and balance sheet on page 10. Pacific Smiles has a strong balance sheet with ample capacity to re-enliven our new centre growth in FY24 and beyond. Cash flow from operations has improved in line with the increase in patient fees. Net capital expenditure was $7 million, primarily related to new centre build costs, capex on existing centres and equipment and technology upgrades, including the finalisation of the, three, the rollout of our 3D scanners, which are an excellent tool for our dentists and their patients. The reduction in property plant and equipment on our balance sheet reflects the slowdown in the rollout of new centres this half year, with depreciation and amortisation expense greater than capex. Increases in other current assets reflects an increase in receivables, primarily relating to a $5.8 million tax refund receivable, and that relates to the temporary loss carryback rules associated with COVID-19. That refund has now been received in the second half. Net debt at 31 December is $5 million. Drawn borrowings are $18.5 million from our $40 million facility. As highlighted earlier, an interim fully frank dividend of 0.35 cents has been declared payable in half two. I'll hand back to Phil now to take you through the remainder of the presentation. Thank you, Matt. We'll turn now to slide 12, where I want to touch on the initiatives underway to ensure ESG principles are embedded throughout Pacific Smiles. We are a purpose-driven organisation and continually focused on driving our operating practices to be more sustainable, efficient, socially responsible, and cohesive. We also want to ensure that our business reflects community expectation around commitments to sound environmental management, social equity, gender diversity, and good governance. We've previously advised the market that 25% of our energy purchased by direct contracts with energy retailers will be from renewable sources for three quarters of 2023. This initiative took effect from the 1st of October, 2022. We're also introducing field-led improvements to our environmental standard operating procedures that permeate all our dental centres, including initiatives such as a reduction in our plastics use. We're also trialling reusable high-speed evacuation tips and have committed to change from plastic to paper water cups for patients by the end of calendar 2023. Inclusion and diversity is an important focus. 
Over 90% of our field workforce and 75% of our support office is female. Female role models in our executive leadership team include our Chief Operating Officer, Kira Rocks, Executive General Manager of Marketing, Alice Telford, and Executive General Manager of People and Culture, Louise Hayes. Furthermore, our board has made a commitment to continue to refresh and augment its members in accordance with best practice in the year ahead, with a particular focus on diversity and tenure. With respect to governance, we continue to review and update our corporate policies and procedures to guide appropriate behaviours and build transparency through our board subcommittees and dental advisory committee. Turning to slide 13, I'd like to update you on the progression of our relationship with HBF under our managed services agreement to build and run dental centres for them in Western Australia. HBF is the largest health fund in Western Australia and is a, mix, is a fixture in that state's healthcare landscape. Our contract with HBF to build and operate HBF dental centres on their behalf is accretive and capital light to Pacific Smile shareholders. We're not required to invest capital in the centres bricks and mortar and simply speaking our returns grow as patient volumes grow under our operatorship. We opened one new HBF dental centre in the first half, bringing the total number of HBF dental centres to seven, with 45 dentists practising. HBF provided, HBF Dental provided over 18,000 appointments and the NPS was greater than 80 in the first half. Another new HBF dental centre in Florida is expected to be open in half two, bringing the HBF dental centre network to eight centres. HBF dental centres performed strongly in the first half and patient attendance growth broadly reflects a similar trajectory to Pacific Smiles Dental Centres. All HBF dental centres are accredited under the Quality Innovation Performance Program, which verifies operating standards against national safety and quality health service standards. HBF dentists are included in our Pacific Smiles Insight graduate pro development programs and have access to online learning, leadership and mentoring programs as well. Turning now to slide 14. Consistent with the information that Pacific Smiles released ahead of the extraordinary general meeting last December, we've updated our disclosure to provide consistent detail and insight into the performance of our dental centre cohorts going back to 2014 when Pacific Smiles first became a publicly listed company. This provides investors and followers of the Pacific Smiles story with a more transparent representation of operating performance reflecting the evolution of our business model since IPO into a sophisticated, agile and national scale player in the Australian dental landscape. With that said, I'd like to draw your attention to some key overall performance insights from this analysis. Top line performance across our cohorts has improved following the impacts of the pandemic. The business is now in a strong position to capitalise on this momentum with a continued focus on improving operating leverage to deliver margin growth. And while our total EBITDA margin has been impacted by the pandemic and recent significant investment in new centres, in the first half of 2023, every single cohort has demonstrated increased profitability relative to the prior half year period, except for a FY10 and earlier cohort. This cohort contains several large CBD located centres with patient volumes are not yet back at pre-pandemic levels, given the change in social and work from home patterns that continue to prevail. We're of the view that this represents an opportunity for additional growth in both new patients and to recapture existing patients as the urban population and workforce shifts back to CBD office locations over time. Finally, there remains significant latent growth capacity in the Pacific Smiles Network. 
Across every cohort, there's an opportunity to infill new chairs with new dentists to service growth and demand for dental services across the network. I'll now turn to, I'll now turn to highlight Pacific Smiles' focus areas and opportunities for the second half of FY23, which will contribute to growing returns for our shareholders and the fulfilment and enjoyment of our dentists and employees who practice with us. Firstly, notwithstanding the slowdown in new centre rollouts this year, we're focused on achieving growth through attracting new patients to our centres and inviting existing patients who have chosen to avoid the dentist during the pandemic. The planned increase in patient attendances provides the opportunity to add capacity into our network with the infilling of chairs and the improvement in our labour efficiency. Secondly, our dentists are our customer, the reason Pacific Smiles exists, and we're committed to continually improving our service delivery to them. We're enhancing our communication pathways, creating a national continuing professional development community and working to provide clear clinical progression and development opportunities so they may grow their skills and their practice scope. We continue to invest in our people and our culture, Pacific Smile's greatest asset. In the second half, we're rolling out new tailored onboarding plans that are better suited to the level of dental experience of our new starters. Combined with what we've, with that, we've updated key learning materials and introduced new content aimed at core elements of our dentist support staff roles. For our patients, it's one thing to attract them, but it's the experience they have with us that will contribute to them returning. Convenience and securing a Pacific Smiles appointment close to home with a practitioner they trust is paramount. That's why we've developed industry-leading patient experience initiatives, such as an emergency appointment finder tool, fast and easy online booking, the Find Me My Nearest appointment feature, and different payment options for our patients. Pacific Smiles has completed a period of significant investment in our infrastructure and IT system over the last two to three years. We're now focused on capitalising on this investment through scaling it efficiently to deliver improved patient and dentist experience at lower cost to the business. The single view of our patient increases focus on personalised care and communications with them. And for our dentists, it improves their experience by a reliable technology platform. Finally, the maintenance of the health and safety, health and stability of our relationships with our key long-term partners has been fundamental to ensuring the collective well-being of all stakeholders in Pacific Smiles. We're excited about continuing to grow our business servicing HBF under the HBF Dental Managed Services Agreement. Also, our partners with HBF, NIV and other health funds, critical suppliers, landlords and our financiers buttress the strength of our own organisation to grow shareholder returns over time. Slide 16, I'd now like to offer some insight to the outlook for the second half and full year 2023 financial year. Year to date, Pacific Smiles has generated patient fees of $169.7 million, which is an increase year on year of 21% on a total basis and 15.8% on a same centre basis. This is a pleasing result despite the uplift not being as robust as we'd hoped and expected. The rent and our performance in the first half while pleasing was behind where we forecast it to be. Our fees and earnings were higher in the second quarter of the first half compared with the first quarter. While some of the uplift can be attributed to seasonality late in the calendar year, there was a lag in the first quarter performance, especially in earnings as COVID-related business interference abated at a slower rate than we'd expected. 
we then experienced a lift in both fees and earnings in the second quarter. This performance improvement is continuing into the third quarter, with business KPIs improving month on month. Forward-looking appointments and practitioner hours are higher. We're also seeing increased fees per attendance half on half, reflecting an increased proportion of restorative work being performed. The confluence of these factors is forecast to result in a greater release of operating leverage in the second half as we improve labour efficiency. Consequently, Pacific Smiles is updating its guidance for FY23 based on the aforementioned factors. We expect FY2023 patient fees and underlying EBITDA to be at the bottom end of previously advised guidance range. That is, patient fees of $270 million and underlying EBITDA of $24 million. This updated guidance includes $3 million of EBITDA drag from loss-making new centres in our FY20 to FY23 cohort. We have laid out the basis and assumptions for our revised guidance in slide 16. It is underpinned by operating tailwinds forecast to lift performance throughout half two, with increased patient attendances and practitioner availability, as well as higher fees per appointment. We're also forecasting improved labour efficiency and lower corporate overheads. We've also clearly laid out risk factors to meeting our revised guidance. Finally, in respect of network growth, we will have opened four centres by the end of FY 2023, bringing, Pacific's, bringing Pacific Smiles Dental Centre's total number to 131. In HBF, a new centre at Belmont was opened in H1, and Florida is expected to be opened in half two, bringing the total HBF dental centres to eight by the end of FY23. In closing, on behalf of the executive leadership team, I want to say thank you to the entire Pacific Smiles team for their dedication and commitment through this exciting period of renewal. Your effort, energy and support of the company's strategy and what we're working together to achieve is incredibly important and very much appreciated. To the dentists who practice at Pacific Smiles, I'd like to say thank you. We value the trust you place in us by choosing to operate in our network and appreciate your contribution to delivering on our true purpose. We hope today's update has given you a comprehensive insight to our business. I'd now like to hand back to the operator um, for any questions that may come. At this time, I would like to remind everyone in order to ask the question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from the line of Shane Story from Wilson Advisory. Your line is now open. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Phil. Good morning, Matthew. Um, I'm going to start maybe with the revenue guidance, please. Uh, it looks, the second half looks conservative. To me, given what you've booked in the first half, and I wonder, you know, is I guess if it is conservative, is that simply a function of, say, maybe not having got the result you wanted in November and December? Um, and maybe if you could give some reflection on what you've seen so far in 2023, uh, do you feel like you've got you know reasonable line of sight on on like for once? Yep. Um, thanks, Jane. Matt here. Um, good question. So, no, we don't think it's conservative um, into the second half and it's reflected what we're seeing um, in January and February. Um, November and December trading was um, uh, particularly pleasing relative to what was a slower Q1 and probably what we'd anticipated. 
Um, what we're seeing in um, the second half, and we call this out in the presentation, is, is more appointments in the second half. And we're also seeing a higher um, fee per attendance at the moment with higher restorative work. So we're seeing patients come back and seeing dentists and getting more complex work done. And that's leading to top line growth in the second half as well. Bear in mind, you know, there is, there's traditionally been some seasonality um, in Pacific Smiles business between first half and second half. Generally, we're a first half um, business is, is a little better than the second half. But that, that's obviously skewed this financial year, just given the ramp up out of COVID. We do have a slower April, just given the Easter period. And then we have a UOLI period sort of through late May and into early June. So that's, I mean, the basis for the outlook is, um, is solid and it's based on what we're seeing in January and February today. Yeah, okay, that's first half, second half dynamics. Are, I guess I understand them a lot better now. Um, but then, then yeah. when I sort of... And notch, get, don't go down a notch to the EBTA guidance. I mean, what we've worked out, say, for your second half, like if we give you the revenue, um, we send what we seem to find, um, you know, maybe a five million cost out, say, on OPEX versus the first half to get there, um, assuming that two and a half million sort of headwind in the second half. I mean, is that how you're seeing it? And if so, um, maybe if you could give some more detail on, on where you think the cost savings can come from. Thanks. Cost savings are coming from two places, from labour efficiency, Shane. So you recall at the, at the full year we said we'd kept our workforce intact and that was in the expectation of increased patient attendances coming back into the business. We didn't want to, be a, we didn't want to have a, um, a position where we couldn't see patients. But the, the ramp back was a little bit slower than we expected, so the operating leverage of the business um, wasn't quite as strong in the first half as we hoped. So we've adapted to that, certainly um, into the second quarter and in the first quarter. So we expect savings in the second half to come from labour efficiency. I also called out that we've streamlined the corporate office um, as well, so there are some savings coming from there. Um, and that's really reflective of a more modest um, growth rollout. Um, um, when we were building 15 to 20 centres, we needed um, the staff to support that, and we've just tapered that a little bit um, as we move into the second half and beyond. Yeah, um, and on that, I mean, back in the sort of prepared comments part of the presentation, Matt, I'm sorry to be picking on you, but um, you said uh, re-enliven was the word you used for the, um, you know, for the rollout, say, from FY24 and beyond. So, I mean, maybe, maybe it's a question for Phil, but I know that strategically, I mean, that's been a contentious issue in the last, say, 6 to 12 months. So, I mean, strategically, what is the thinking now about the, um, you know, the, the right level of rollout, say, for us to be, Modeling in FY24 and beyond, um, and uh, yeah, any thoughts there would be very helpful. Thanks. Hi, Shane, Phil. Um, fair question and a good question. Um, we, as management and the board, still consider Pacific Smiles a, a, a growth engine. Uh, in the short term, we'll use the invitation of uh, new chairs into existing sites um, to, 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 to deliver that through the through the growth of, of patients as well. Uh, we certainly put to the market at the end of last year in conjunction with the EGM um, some longer term uh, targets that we'd be seeking to achieve and we're not stepping away from them at all. I don't want to guide on, on 24 at this stage but I would suggest that uh, management and the board will be having a healthy look at the trajectory in the second half and, um, and producing a, um, a set of recommendations to the market as to where we're going um, but we still firmly see Pacific Smiles as a growth entity and growth engine. That's all I had. Thanks for taking my question, James. Thank you, sir. Your next question comes from the line of 
James Bales from Morgan Stanley. Your, your line is now open. Oh, hi guys, thanks for taking my questions. I guess firstly, is the fee for appointment improvement that you mentioned driven purely by mix, that is the mix of restorative, or is there some like-for-like -like price growth in there as well? There's a little bit of like-for-like -like price growth in there as well, James, but predominantly it's um, due to the, um, the treatment mix. Got it. And so what's the magnitude of the like-for-like -like growth and has that been negotiated with the health funds or is that for patients outside of those arrangements? Um, the health funds aren't giving us a lot and they never have. Um, and so it's always been incumbent upon a business to try and grow our top line through increasing and improving our, tra our treatment mix. Look, I'm not going to disclose what the growth is, James, um, in, in terms of um, fees per appointment, but it, it, has, been, it has been evident. Um, certainly into the into the third quarter, and that's not unusual. So we'll see. We saw a lot of patients come back to Pacific Smiles in the first half. A lot of patients who hadn't been to the dentist in a while for a clean and check, especially during the Uwali period, and they've come back to do restorative work. Um, you know, not having seen a dentist for a little while. Okay, got it. And then maybe could you speak to the details on the improvement that you're seeing in the cancellation rates in January and February? Yeah, they're not down at pre-pandemic levels yet, but they are trending down. This is not true. The gradient down is not as steep as what we'd hoped, um, but month on month, they are coming down. Um, so are we talking um, basis points or percentage points there? Oh, it's sort of um, basis points per month. It's not percentage points. Okay. It's a bit stubborn, to be frank. All right, thanks, Gus. Thanks, Seth. Your next question comes from the line of uh, Craig Wong Pan from RBC. Your line is now open. Thanks. Uh, good morning, Phil and Matt. I just wanted to uh, focus on the same center patient fee growth. Like there was a sort of decline there, I guess, 17.3% in the first half and then 15.8% year to date. Just to understand, is that due to seasonality, given that you have a strong November and December, or is there something else that kind of causes that slowdown there? Seasonality, correct, yep. Yeah, okay, great, just checking. Um, and the next one, next question, just about the change in practitioner op operating pattern. I was wondering if you think that's a permanent change, and, and does that have like an ongoing impact on earnings? Uh, I think that's the $64 million question, Craig. Um, we, we're certainly seeing a stabilising, I think, um, similar to patient patterns. Um, we saw uh, an impact on, on practitioner attendance. We're seeing that stabilised. We're seeing it um, maybe a new normalise. Uh, the trends that we're suggesting are, are positive to us from a, um, from a performance perspective, uh, and we believe it's our, our job to enable them to come back. Uh, and make sure that we continue to give them all the tools to continue to build their practice. So we see it as a positive thing. And just to clarify, the, the timing for that positive change, that sort of stabilisation, was that from Q2 onwards? Yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it. I think um, we were seeing some of that latent hangover from, from uh, Omicron or, or what have you as it tailed off the end of the last financial year into the first quarter, uh, and then we saw the... Um, uh, the, the, the sensible steady return to, to, to normal business practice. The best way to think about it, Craig, the, the sort of the trend line for interference from you know, sort of practitioner absences and schedules and patient cancellations is, is around about the same. So it's a steady improvement throughout the year. Okay, 
Um, and then just a dividend, uh, that, that was a, the, the value there was a bit of a surprise. Could you just remind us, the, like, I guess, what you base your payout ratio on? Because, um, yeah, that so came the, in higher than I expected. The dividend, just to be clear, is 0.35 cents per share, so 0.0035. And that's, um, you know, a bit, a bit in excess of half a million dollars in total. Um, the board-approved um, dividend policy is 70 to 100% of underlying net profit after tax. We have an underlying net profit after tax of about a half a million dollars for the half, so the dividend aligns with that. Okay. And then my last question, just on the improvement around better rostering practices that you talked about and trying to align labour hours to practitioners, could, could you just outline some of those initiatives that, that will... Um, uh, that you're sort of implementing there? Yeah, a detailed centre-by-centre -centre partnership to look at um, practitioners, both old and new, their needs, their requirements, the patient attendance, uh, and then ensuring we've got the right staff to um, practitioner ratio. It's, it's not done um, simply with a formula, it's done with communication, consultation, uh, and really sensibly looking at the performance of the centre and the potential performance of the centre. So uh, it's, it's quite analogue. Um, but it's really important work and, um, and and vital to our continued performance improvement. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Your next question comes from the line of George Marsden uh, from Line. Your line is now open. Thank you. Uh, good morning, Phil and Matt. Congratulations on the results. Um, just to zoom out a bit, Considering Pacific Smile's compelling share of practicing dentists in Australia, how is the group leveraging the scale as a representative body to partner with federal and state governments to raise the general awareness to the importance of oral health, considering that two-thirds of Australians haven't visited a dentist in the last two years? Oh, great question. Um, so we work with uh, member bodies such as the ADA. Um, we have... Uh, various contacts through our professionals um, that choose to practice with us uh, for, for avenues of doing so. But really the peak body is the, is the ADA, or the Australian Dental Association, both at a federal and state level. Um, our activities to um, perhaps lobby at a government level uh, has not been a foray that we've gone into it at this point. Moreover, because of the um, impartial nature of the membership bodies being probably the best place to educate uh, government at a state and federal level. And um, when it comes to attracting children uh, to Pacific Smiles, I see that sort of 40% of the CDBS subsidy um, is successfully allocated to children, eligible children each year, which is quite poor performance um, in terms of just federal delivery. How is Pacific Smiles sort of attracting children and I guess considering the correcting influence on parents and their own dental habits, um, how is Pacific Smiles sort of prioritising children's oral health? Yeah, children's oral health or paediatric oral health care is, is obviously paramount, um, but there are stringent rules through ARPA and others um, that, that limit the way that uh, a, a business such as ours can approach um, that, that sector of the market. So really it's the education of parents that that sort of uh, funding is available, the child dental, child dental benefit scheme. Um, making sure the ability to ask questions and be educated in centres 
Um, so not so much the promotion or the driving of a dental service, but more the education to the parents that this government assistance is available for their children and great oral health. Um, and I think you're dead right, more, more effort uh, to educate at a federal and state level, the importance of the program would be um, roundly received and well received. Okay, thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. Your next question comes from the line of Weiming C from MX Capital. Um, your line is now open. Hi, good morning, James. Uh, I have three questions. The, the first one is you, you mentioned you received a $5.7 million tax receivable in the second half. So can I confirm That's right. that your yeah, so is that your, your net cash now is actually higher than your gross cash, so you are in the net cash position? Uh, it's a, it's about it's about the same. It's about the yeah, same. Okay. So we've got eight and a half million dollars of debt. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah. similar to debt. That's yeah. right. So we only just received okay. that amount of money okay. in the last week. Great. Uh, that's good. Uh, and the second question is the capex. Your depreciation uh, before the ASB sixteen was seven point nine million dollars in the half. The actual cash. CapEx was 6.5, and we think that about $4 million were expansion, a new chair, a new center, and so on. So kind of, what's actual maintenance CapEx going forward required? And if you really taper your growth rate, that means that your cash conversion, that your free cash flow generation should be substantially higher than your uh, accounting impact? Yeah, that's correct. So um, maintainable capex, um, maintenance capex on an ongoing basis is about one to two billion dollars um, per annum. Um, so uh, if you remove growth capex from that equation, then yes, you would have a higher cash conversion ratio from EBITDA down to cash flow. So do you say you want to two million dollars per year or maintainable capex? Yes, correct. That's right. But but like if you including all the lights, the, the Dental scan, all those that make it hard, which just to make it Oh, scanners and tools, and, and yeah, I mean, yeah, no, no, they're a dentist tool, correct, that's right, scanners. But we've, we've completed that program now. Right. Okay, so so cash should be a lot substantially higher. I mean, that is a big number. Your depreciation per year is 15, and you're spending, say, four or five, like you have $10 million cash higher, which is probably your impact, right? Well, it's not the impact, but the cash conversion. Your maths around the cash conversion sounds right. Yeah, yeah. The cash conversion should be ten million dollars higher if you don't grow a lot in the center. Last question, just on the fee increase. Um, I, my understanding is the actual dentists set their own fee schedule, and then they can charge a gap. So it, the fact that they are not putting the price up is it because they don't want to charge a gap? Because uh, if they charge a gap, it doesn't matter what the health insurance is paying. Um, and if that's the case, would there be a point that the inflation pressure just forced everybody in the industry to actually drop the price, no matter what the health insurers are paying? I think you um, you make a fair point that dentists may choose to operate outside the health fund preferred provider agreements if. Um, some, similar to GPs and Medicare, the dentists would have find themselves uh, unable to provide a service at a, at a rebated rate. Yes, for sure. The dentist um, has their own sovereignty to set uh, the, the, their fees, uh, of course, other than when they're following under a preferred provider agreement with a health fund. So um, in answer to your question, in short, yes, they could. 
um, should they choose to do so. So, so what's been, uh, what, what have you been seeing in the sector? Like all the independent little dentists, are they not putting up the array and just not uh, just working more for less? Or I mean, why why are they not able to do it? In the independent and good service and so on. I think, like all medical professionals, there's a sensible view taken by any practitioner as to what is the right rate to charge. Um, we're obviously fortuitous in the relationship we have with the health funds um, to be well embedded with pro um, preferred provider agreements. Um, we're, as we've stated, we're seeing good attendance volumes. We're seeing um, go good efforts to um, to take on more restorative work. So we're seeing a price improvement via that. Uh, at this stage, it's not a uh, what doesn't appear to be a huge topic of conversation amongst the Pacific Smiles dentists. Right. And, and what portion of, just the last question, what portion of your dentists actually charge a bet? Well, I would suggest um, all of them have the capacity to do it. Uh, it depends whether they're operating with that particular patient under a preferred provider agreement. So um, the easy answer is all have the ability to do it. Um, most, if not, um, uh, many, many have got a, a relationship with a health fund, um, so it depends on the particular patient uh, and it depends on the particular circumstance of that patient's relationship with the health fund, um, but all have the capacity to charge a gap. Uh, you don't have a like, kind of soft guideline. I think it's soft guideline by some industry associates, how much is the standard fee and I think everybody stick to that kind of thing, right? So you yeah, we provide a guideline um, from the Australian Dental Association with regard to fees for those that are uninsured, and then each health fund has obviously got the prescribed fees relative to item numbers under the preferred provider agreement. Um, so it would be fair to say that there would be a, a high degree of gap charged in some circumstance and in others, uh, no gap. Right. So it's not, okay, understand. Thank you very much, Jane. No worries, Skip. Thanks for your questions. Bye. Your next question comes from the line of Craig Wong Tan from RBC. Your line is now open. Thanks. Just a follow-up question. There was the comment you made about the slower recovery in CBD-located dental centres. I just wondered if you could provide um, us with help and uh, for us to understand what your mix is, like how, how many um, what exposure you have um, to CBD-located dental centres, like what sort of split might yeah, be. So in Sydney, we've got the NIB Centre on Hunter Street and we've got uh, the Pacific Smiles Centre uh, in Town Hall. Uh, and down in Victoria, we've got the NIB on Collins Street and we've got the Pacific Smiles Dental on Birch Street. And they're obviously um, uh, considerably larger than our more traditional now uh, shopping centres of uh, centres of, of five chairs. So those, those centres have got you know, upwards of 10, 12 plus chairs, um, some higher, uh, re relative to the... Um, to the, the CBD base and the uh, and the office people that they were servicing before, and we've also got Eagle Street, another Eagle Street up in Brisbane. Um, so those are, are considerable exposure sites for us, given the scale of business they've done historically, uh, and the re reliance on uh, on CBD workers. Okay, and then my last question is just around cost inflation. Could, could you talk to what you might be seeing there? If there's been any acceleration of that. Oh, we're not immune to inflation, just like any other business in the current environment, Craig. So we are we are seeing some of that. Um, we are able to manage. I mean, our biggest cost is labour, um, and labour is pegged to um, uh, the annual review of awards. We have typically paid a little bit above um, the base award, 
Uh, there was an increase at the beginning of the financial year, which was relative to um, those award decisions. Um, in other areas like consumables, um, we are seeing inflation, but in the main, we can offset that through product substitution, so we, we manage that. Um, the cost of new chairs have gone up a bit, um, probably in line um, with the current inflation rates. So the uh, short answer is yes, we're seeing it, um, but managing through it. Okay, thank you. Again, if you would like to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Again, if you would like to ask a question, press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. There are no further questions at this time. I turn the call back over to our presenters. Just wanted to thank you all for your time this afternoon or this morning, and I look forward to seeing you all in the near future and speaking to you again at the full year. All the very best. Have a great day. This concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect.